Hey everybody, thank you for joining us on another episode of Japan by River Cruise. I'm Bobby Judo. This week I am in Tokyo. Hello everybody, it's Ollie Horn here. It's a pleasure to have you cruising with us. This week I'm in Singapore. And we've got a guest today. It's JJ Wakrat, Canadian stand-up comedian, founder of Tokyo Roast Battle, and former employee of the St. Lawrence Rivers SS Marie-Jane Elev, where he worked as weed sommelier. Hi, JJ. Good to have you with us. Thank you. Uh, great to be here. So today we've got a great episode for you. Two stories about Japanese work culture. Ali, you might have seen this. Microsoft Japan's experiment in reducing work hours resulted in greater productivity. Wait, you mean the people at the office until 10 p.m. are not actually getting lots of work done? Asked no one who's ever worked in Japan. Also, women in Japan are fighting back against bans on wearing glasses at work. Companies are saying glasses make women less desirable, which is A, sexist, and B, not true, according to comeonglasses.com. Check the description for links. And as always, Ali has your River Cruise recommendation. Ali? Yes, that's right. This week's recommendation is a River Cruise set up exclusively for podcast editors. The sale time is normally about 30 to 35 minutes, but every time Bobby says something that could potentially get him fired, you need to add on three or four minutes to the cruise time. Plus, earn money riding a River Cruise. We'll tell you about the glass bottom riverboat that runs through Aokigahara's suicide forest that lets passengers make up to 5,000 yen for every body they find. But first, Soap Talk. <laughs> Uh, Bobby cool. Judo, how's your week been? Uh, good week. Good week uh, in Tokyo for work. Uh, I keep saying Tokyo, but none of the work is actually in Tokyo. I did a lecture in Yamanashiken at a university and then uh, a Japanese comedy show in Yokohama last night. And then I've got an English one coming up at uh, Yokosuka, Yokosuka tonight. You do stand-up comedy in Japanese? What? What's that? What's that even like? What? What? What's that like, Bobby? What? It's, it's challenging but fun, and uh, there's a, a pretty good uh, regular Japanese comedy scene run by a group of foreigners here in Tokyo. You know, we tried it out in Fukuoka, didn't go so well, but there's enough of a demand for it and a market for it in Tokyo. It's really funny. Yes, it I was did. with um, It went very well. We had well, I, no, absolutely I mean, dozens of people that didn't ask for refunds. <laughs> we entertained the six or seven people who came to the show. But JJ, have you ever been to any of the Japanese shows and seen BJ Fox and his crew at Okomidiaki doing their Japanese stand-up? No. Thanks a lot for your input. <laughs> uh, no, I, I've been in Japan now for three and a half years. Yeah. And I can't say hello or goodbye properly. Uh, if you were to run through a list of of uh, how foreigners would come to Japan and successfully not integrate, uh, I am the poster boy. Yeah, right. But you do speak Chinese. Yes. So I feel like had I stopped here first, uh, I would have immersed myself in the culture. I would have been just passionate about everything. Weekend trips, fish markets, I don't know, calligraphy, whatever people in Japan do. But I feel like I've been in Asia for 17 years. I'm sort of like, oh, it's another big city. Uh, I Don't get me wrong. I love it here because I haven't had diarrhea once. Um, uh, China was the premier league of diarrhea. And being in a place where like I can cross a street without worrying about getting hit. How many people hated you in China? Uh, I can go see a doctor and he's not like, drink more hot water. If, if China, you know, China's obviously a very misunderstood place. Um, it's got a lot of diversity. Everyone, it's got less now you've left. In theory, yeah. Um, 
weirdly, they have a traditional uh, Chinese Jewish community, uh, which is a very weird thing. Like uh, when you're in China, they're like, oh, are you Yotai? And I'm like, what? what's Yotai? Like, you know, Jews. And I'm like, why do you call it Yotai? They're like, well, because they're all from Yotai, which is a city in China. Um, there's like, it's wow. weird. Yeah. What were they uh, doing? Well, I, well, they were like one of the lost tribes. They're gone now, sort of. You know, they've sort of been, but that's where the traditional uh, uh, Jewish community was. But yeah, I feel like, I mean, like Japan's so good, but like I'm operating on different inputs. So we do comedy, you know, you're hanging out with millennials, 25 year olds. They're all excited. They do stuff on the weekends. Their Instagram, Instagram reflects that. And I'm just like, I can go see a doctor and he is going to heal me with like Western medicine dope, you know, like I, you know, I, I'm, I'm super excited by not getting poisoned by food yeah. and things like that. And the like fact that, that you're you know? in Tokyo, you're in a big city means you can get by without learning Japanese. I mean, Ali and I were out in a place where like it was a little bit harder to have your daily life and daily interactions without picking up at least a little bit of Japanese. But um, well, in terms of One the, thing I've noticed about both of you is that both of you guys actually do stuff. Uh, I'm lazy, so that's enough. Yeah. <laughs> but by the way, I'm so, I'm so with you on the diarrhea thing. Uh, three, almost two, three months now, right? It must have started mid-September. No, about two months. Two months into a, into a tour, predominantly around Southeast Asia. I just don't know if I've got diarrhea anymore or if this is the new normal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh at the risk of expanding the diarrhea conversation into the fourth minute. Uh, yeah. When I traveled around the world with my wife, it was just, that was my, my base setting. That was how it went. <coughs> but uh, so we were talking about well, the, one of the things Hukumediaki shows uh, right. last night. It was really funny because NHK was in to film Ruben. Ruben is a musical comedian. He plays uh, songs and he performs them kind of like half in Japanese, half in English. Uh, does a lot of funny stuff, but they're going to be putting him on a variety show on NHK's, was it Baribara Variety? And they're going to be putting him in a segment where they show him performing in live shows. They show him performing in the studio as part of the show. And uh, BJ had just told me that NHK was going to be in the audience and they were going to be filming. And I was like, oh, cool. Okay, cool, cool, cool. And then I got there and I was talking to the woman who came to film. And I was like, so what exactly is this show about? What is it for? And she was like, well, we're trying to bring the whole idea. You know, NHK is PBS. NHK is BBC. It's government-funded, government-sponsored. So anything that they have to do has to be kind of like for the public good in some way. So they're trying to bring this whole idea of barrier-free, of accessibility for people of all walks of life to comedy. And so, you know, they do these Japanese comedy competitions like M1, M1 Grand Prix, which is the Manzai one, R1 Grand Prix, which is like the stand-up one. And they're doing a show one Grand Prix, which is the Grand Prix for people who are differently abled, people with special abilities. And so they're there to film Ruben and BJ as the board representatives in the disabled comedy category. <laughs> oh my God. Oh man. Did they, did they know this? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so the only reason I feel comfortable saying this and I'm, I'm like, I'm reading into something BJ said yesterday, but he was like, yeah, no, you should see some of the stuff that we've said in the interviews when they're asking us about our participation, our participation in show one Grand Prix. It's just so funny. <laughs> That's hilarious. That, that big foreigner is now a disability. Does that mean that foreigners allow, are now allowed to use the disabled toilets? Yeah. Well, I mean, I do Wait, anyway. You're not allowed to use the disabled toilets. <laughs> <laughs> I've been I, doing I, this I, wrong for two years. I don't want to. I don't want to feel like it's like disparaging. So what's funny to me is not the idea that that like we're considered 
less than or were put in the same category as being disabled. Uh, because, but like the idea that Japan labels foreignness in the same way that it would label other sorts of of disabilities. Man, this is going to be exactly the same as when uh, you you know all the all the anti-trans rights activists on Twitter, they get yeah. really upset when someone that was formerly a man competes in a woman's game. I swear to God, this is this is going to have people that typically hate foreigners all of a sudden fly the flag for foreigners for a brief Twitter conversation. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't feel like we, like, foreigners should feel bad for being put in the same category, but I just think it's funny that that's, like, Japan's automatic. Like, okay, so we have to we have to lower the bar for foreigners doing comedy because they're starting at a point of not being able to do this at all. But aren't foreigners like funny? We're very funny to look at. And sometimes we'll say, we'll make mistakes when we speak Japanese and that's funny. And sometimes we'll say puns, which uh, Japanese children can do. And that's funny. Um, and also they, they just look funny as well. They've got bigger eyes than that. Yeah. They, um, they they like that foreigners are different and this so this is not really my story to tell we got to get Ruben on as a guest sometime but apparently they tried to rewrite his jokes and his songs to remove the jokes so a joke would be something like like you know not all foreigners hate nato so he's got this foreigner song that you can find on YouTube it's called stereotype gaijin and he plays around with ideas of like i'm trying to break the stereotypes not all foreigners are like this but unfortunately, I am like this. And they, they, he's got a joke format that they wanted him to rewrite all the jokes to just instead be like, I hate Nato. Ha 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 So for them, the funny thing is just that we are a stereotype. Not that we're trying to break a stereotype, but are an unfortunate spokesperson because we adhere to the stereotype. It's just the idea that what we find funny is not the funny point for them. The funny point for them is just that we are foreign and that we exist. I uh, yeah, I don't mind being foreign at all. Uh, I, I have That's friends good. who get... <laughs> but I know, I mean, I have friends that I get offended. No, I, I, I identify as Japanese, man. Look, I, I got a Facebook feed. I assume you got it too. And on the Facebook feed is like acquaintances and friends who complain about mistreatment at restaurants or, you know, people not being able to understand them when they speak Japanese. And I just... I, I, to be, I mean, I don't know, treated differently doesn't bother me at all. I mean, maybe I was hardened in China, but like, I get it. Uh, I don't mind. I think it's different for you because you guys are, I don't know, integrated. You work in Japanese, you know, but, yeah, but I'm like, I'm, I'm in a way that, yeah. But that, that's a much, that is a much better way of dealing with things, right? To go, uh, the easy way for me to not get upset when Japanese people don't understand it when I speak Japanese is to not speak to them in Japanese. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, speaking of which, we've got some mail this week. We have one on that point. Uh, first, first message is from uh, Brian in Fukuoka, <laughs> because of course it is. And um, we were a little late last week. He says, if you are skipping this week's episode with the intention of collecting extra mail, then I'm afraid I must inform you that I'm gullible enough to cooperate. Um, yes, that's exactly why we did it, because we just wanted to talk to you more. And we've got one more message from uh, uh, this Brian. Uh, is Brian, who's from the UK, and her name is Emily. She says, I'm late to listen to the podcast this week, but wanted to say I didn't actually think Ali spoke any Japanese until I heard this week's episode, and I wanted to say that Bobby's Japanese is amazing. This is not a real email. No, it's absolutely a real email. It's from Brian listening in the UK, parentheses, well, Emily. 
They can't be the... <laughs> I speak Japanese in every episode. You throw out some words, but I think like you've never like like gone into a conversation or told the story that involved. Right. Well, what's what's Brian's name? Emily. Emily. Emily San. Uh, arigato. Uh, gozaimasu. Is that right? Yeah, you got it. You nailed it. Uh, if you'd like nailed to send it. us uh, an email, you can check it out on our uh, webpage. It's japanbyrivercruise.com. Uh, let's go ahead and get into... The news. Seems like we got two news stories this week, Bobby. Seems like that's a lot of work to do and not a lot of time. How are we going to cope with it? Why don't we well, just re- remove the amount of time that we allocate to this news by 20%? Sounds good. Uh, let's start with the first news story. They're both about work culture. This one is... Uh... Uh, women in Japan are being told not to wear glasses at work to avoid looking cold and unfeminine. My joke was obviously about the Microsoft story. <laughs> well, we're going to do that later, so keep it okay. in your pants. You guys uh, have great chemistry. We do. We, <laughs> <laughs> we, we do. Okay, so this story is about the fact that uh, basically uh, some people mistakenly think that women wearing glasses is not attractive, which firstly, I think we all agree, is wrong. I was in Morocco a few years ago, and I saw a a very attractive woman riding a motorcycle. And I think it was the first time I'd ever seen someone, ever seen a woman up close riding a motorcycle without a helmet. And I thought, wow, women riding motorcycles is hot. And then I realized the woman was hot, so it's actually hot women riding motorcycles are hot. The same rule is probably true for glasses. Hot women in glasses, hot. Women that aren't hot without glass, not wearing, wearing gloves, you get my point. Yeah, I get it. And once again, you've managed to take a news story and a social movement about not objectifying women and managed to make it about whether or not you find women hot. Uh, So (laughs) let's dissect this a little bit. Um, Yeah, so it's not like one particular company. It's just a general policy across lots of different kinds of fields and companies. There are department stores, medical clinics, uh, hospitality industry showrooms. And yeah, my understanding is that it's customer facing, right? It's a, it's yeah, it's like a, yeah. a, a customer. Yeah, anybody who's interacting with a customer, and the reasons range from that they make women look colder, unfriendly, unfeminine, or too intelligent. And it's not just glasses. There's a whole like, I don't, I don't know how it is in China, but like the uniform thing. So many companies that the women in the, the front offices have these uniforms that they look like flight attendant kind of uniforms. Uh, and they're usually required to wear skirts. They're usually required to wear like ribbons in their hair or some kind of like choker style necklace, um, high heels. And when my mom came to visit Japan, she was like, this is like America in the 50s and 60s in the airlines. It's like every woman at a department store at an information counter is dressed in this uniform that looks like she walked off uh, uh, a flight in the 60s as I, a flight attendant. I know a little bit about this uniform because my first job in Japan was working at, at a, a college of foreign languages, which trained people for these kinds of jobs. And I, my job was to teach 25 19-year-old stewardess wannabes at a time. Now, you'd think that was a great job because they all had to dress impeccably in those, like, Ersatz stewardess wannabes just sounds like like a really passive aggressive burn. I don't know. They, I mean, they were all trying to work in the airline industry, and they had to like w- wear that uniform every day. And they were nineteen; they weren't good at it. 
Yeah. Uh, and you'd oh, that think sounds like awful this to be in a room with all of them. Oh, you know, you, you'd think that it was going to be awesome. Like I was very excited. I'm like, they're all good looking. <laughs> they're all impeccably groomed. They all wear this uniform that uh, uh, Bobby was talking about. But it was weird, man. Uh, I got to be honest. I don't like the lack of diversity there. I think I think shoehorning every every person into this uniform does them a disservice. I think it's fine to to shoehorn the shoes if they need to. So uh, Ali goes for really easy jokes, JJ. You should you should know that. Um, I've seen a set, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you've seen Ali perform at Good Heavens, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like it's 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 uh it's a lot of fun to sit there and try and figure out like which of those jokes are Bobby's and which of those are Ollie's. It's um, <laughs> I'm like, oh, that was a good tag, Bobby's, you know. So <laughs> no, just kidding. <laughs> It, it drives Ollie crazy that like one of the jokes in his Pig in Japan set that gets the biggest laugh is is uh, developed out of like a brainstorm session between the two of us. I'm yeah, sure you Bobby remind him that. all the time. I do. He does well. Bob, Bobby says he he wants he wanted royalties from my uh, Edinburgh Fringe run. You know, what what I figure is that no, he's I think, not. so the jokes that I've written for your one hour is like maybe less than five percent. But if we were to call it five percent and calculate what i should get paid based on the money that you've made off of doing this show around the world then i think i owe you like two thousand dollars yeah i think it's very impressive that as a product of the florida education system you're able to do that kind of math <laughs> i was just making it up <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah so a lot of women are taking to social media to uh complain about this about you know it's high heels also uh cause back problems you know, like long hours standing on high heels and constraining skirts and then also like women are complaining of like dry eye and eye problems from having to wear contacts or like there are nurses who because they can't wear their glasses their vision is not good enough and they're performing medical procedures so a couple of years back they did the same thing with high heels and a bunch of women were saying that you know it should be considered sexist and discriminatory for people to um to put policies in place in their companies that require women to wear high heels. And they took it to some like Japanese administrative body and lost uh, the Japanese. This was like in 2017, the administrative body concluded that um, it is, uh, it is appropriate for some workplaces to require women to wear high heels. It's just ridiculous, isn't it? I, I got I to be honest. I didn't even notice this was a thing. Like I didn't even know. I didn't even in the f four years I was in Japan, can't even say I spotted noticing that women generally don't wear glasses in a professional capacity. I had no but idea. Come to think about it, you're right. I I don't I don't know. I mean I I tell I tell you yeah. what I tell you what I, I tell you that now I think about it. I, I think one of the cues that you can tell whether somebody is a university student or not is university students will typically wear glasses, right? Well, you know that that's why they uh, the. Um in Cambodia, they just killed people with glasses. What? Glasses. Okay, this they, took you, a turn. Yeah. Did they you had glasses, like, that must mean but you must be educated. Yeah, dead. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, the first thing they did was kill all of the people with higher education, right? Yeah. And they so just glasses, went dead. by whether or not you had glasses? Yep, that was one of them. Uh, I mean, they were just, I mean, it was, it was insane. But I mean, I mean, this is what people tune in for is to, an education on, on mass genocide. I'm sure that's like, where you, you would be surprised at how many times mass genocide has come up in this podcast. <laughs> Could I say it's something, always... though, about glasses in Japan? Uh, the irony here that they're not letting women wear glasses in Japan is to me that Japan is the best place in the world to get glasses. 
And everyone that I know that I've passed through that's like in my age group, I'm like, how, how, how is your vision? You think you might want to get some glasses because you just run down to Jin's or that other one, Gra- yeah. Graf or whatever it is. And, and you just walk in, they give you an eye test and you got glasses on your face for 50 bucks 20 minutes later. It's like everywhere else in the world, all of the optometrists, like they have that they're like in a cabal where they're like, no, we're going to charge people a thousand bucks for glasses. And then yeah. here that for some reason they're like, no, we don't need to do that. Uh, I was in China. I lost my glasses. I was really pissed off. And then I pulled out my phone and I found out that both of those chains are active there. And I was like, oh, no problem. I'll just go spend what it costs for a beer here to go get a pair of glasses. It's and, crazy uh, efficient. It's crazy high quality. And it's, it's unbelievable. Really great. But uh, in terms of like the rampant sexism in the eyeglass industry uh, and in eyeglass related news, I, you reminded me there's a, a super high tech, really, really um, quality glasses maker. I think it's called Kazuki or something like that. I can't remember the exact name, but they're ultra thin. I feel like Watanabe Ken is the spokesperson for them, but like they're bendable glasses. And they're really high quality. And there are all of these uh, ad campaigns where it's him in a business suit and a power tie looking very businesslike. And then a Japanese woman also in a business suit. And they're in this business world and they have to use their eyes to do all this business. And business. It, yeah, business. And they've got their glasses and they show him putting on the glasses and then reading these newspapers with super fine print and uh, working on his computer and like doing all this different businessman stuff. And then this woman business. who is dressed in a business suit puts on the glasses and starts doing her nails. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, okay, Japan. <sighs> I have just, I have just reminded myself that my uh, vision is, um, my vision is actually better than perfect. I, I went to an optician's in the UK a while ago and he was like, you don't need eyesight this good. Like God has kind of wasted whatever he could have given you elsewhere on your <laughs> eyesight. And so I've only ever done an eye test once. And that was like, I could get to the bottom row of, you know, the letters, right? It starts with a, you know, like a big letter at the top, then a couple of small letters underneath, small letters underneath, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Um, the only time I did an eye test in Japan was when I had to get my uh, driving license. Uh, I changed from a UK driving license to a Japanese one. And I failed the eye test because I didn't understand the instructions. Uh, right, right, right. And, and so, firstly, I was like, oh, God, is this going to be a kanji thing? Right? <laughs> it's, well, they, it's ask you, like... they ask you to identify. There's a, they show a little C and they, like uh, a circle with a little gap. And the gap is either facing left, right, up, or down. Yes. And you have to tell them which way it's facing. Precisely. And they do one eye each, right? They do the left eye first and the right eye second. Yeah. And what they do is they put, the, they put these kind of glasses on you, where, which, where, which covers one eye. And so he, the first question he asked me was, which side is the gap open? And I thought he was talking about the eyeglasses. So I confidently said, question one, straight out the bat, <laughs> the right hand side is open. And yeah. he went, no, it's the left-hand side that's open. Uh, no one's ever failed on the first on the, on the first question. I'm, so, <laughs> I'm sorry, there's no retakes. I'm like, oh, comprehension f- problem. So, yeah. Yeah. So, I, so I said, look, like I, I said, no, no. I doubled down. I was like, no, no, it's definitely this side that's open. Come and have a look yourself. And he was like, no. I, I mean, I've done this test before. Like I know, <laughs> like the answers are always the same. It's always the left side. And so only after explaining to him, look, I just misunderstood what you said. Uh, was he like, okay, well. In that case, I'll let you have a retake. Uh, and yeah. then obviously, I passed with flying colors. Thank you. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, that was a cool story. Yeah, that's great. Thanks, uh, man. Let's, uh, let's move on to the next news story. Uh, Microsoft did, Japan. Did, did, J, did JJ just sarcastically say my story was cool? No, right. I, think I, you, think, JJ. I think you meant it. Thank you. I, I was sincere. I was, I was sincere because, uh, you know, the, 
Yeah. So the next news story. Uh, <laughs> Bri- Brian, Brian loves that story. Brian's next. Brian's going to email in and go more optometrist stories from Oddie, please. I was actually getting nervous because I'm going to uh, have my driving license changed next week. So I was thinking, like, man, you know, uh, what if I do the same thing? Uh, You're I'm supposed glad. to tell them which side the hole is open on. Don't don't forget that. Yeah, I, you know what's really stressful is that my eyes require glasses, and I had LASIK. So I like had LASIK, and then my eyes have deteriorated since. Yeah. So I wear glasses after having had surgery. Cool story. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, my only advice that you're actually going to take um, the the driving test for real um, is a lot of times it's like a, a woman who administers the exams and the actual driving test. Uh, and if she is wearing glasses, tell her she looks hot even though she has glasses on. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the next story. Uh, Microsoft Japan tested a four-day work week and productivity jumped by 40%. And I, that's the lead, and I'm expecting that, like, if I read into the article, it's going to say it jumped by 40% to 43%. I wonder whether it was just the, the office paperclip that did all the work on the fifth day. Oh, because Microsoft, yeah. That's so my, my read... This segment. <laughs> yeah, apparently they just cut out meetings. That's what made it so effective. They're just like, we don't have time for meetings. I think this might, I mean... The Bryans will probably know this, but if you're listening to the podcast and you've never worked in Japan, um, there's this this idea that Japanese office workers are very hard workers and everybody's, you know, they have to create a word for dying from overwork because everybody's at work all the time and they work 80 hour work weeks and they're at the office until 10 o'clock at night. But if you've ever actually been in Japanese office environments or any kind of work environment, you know that like it's it's all for show. It's all ostensibly you're you're there long hours to prove your loyalty to the company and to show that you're working. You're not actually doing much work. When you worked at wait, what did what did you do? What did you do? In like what did office? you do? What did you do? I've I, I've never well I've never really done an office job in Japan. The closest I got to being in an office was I was very briefly doing some interpretation for a law firm, but yeah. I was really 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 shit at it. Like proper, like properly, like getting a plaintiff and respondent mixed up and stuff, like, yes. like, st- stuff yes. like that, uh, which they didn't want. They wanted a- they wanted accuracy, which frankly I didn't. I never signed up for. But in, <laughs> you know, in in my defence, I was wearing glasses to the interview, so they mistakenly assumed I was intelligent. Thought you were someone smart. Um, but yeah, so JJ said what they did was they cut out meetings. Um, one of the, the the easiest ways to understand how how like productivity is not related to how long you are at work so they as long as you're attending the meeting you're considered to be working and showing your loyalty to the company a lot of times people are sitting in meetings literally asleep and it's acceptable to be asleep in in meetings i, I when i used uh, to work at uh, schools they'd have faculty meetings and you know the people who are tired because they've been there till 10 o'clock at night just fall asleep in the meetings and it's not it's not like not like policy that that's okay but it's just normal well and it's well, it's the same in college isn't it that uh but the first two or three lectures I mean, so attendance in college is is uh recorded in japan yeah. and any lectures which are before midday people just turn up they choose their favorite seat they sometimes even bring a pillow they curl their arms into a circle and they sleep and yeah. this drove me absolutely insane i i did uh i think one or two terms of lecturing on uh, EU law and uh, legal critical thinking 
um, but, but both of both of which I lost my job straight at the moment that the that the UK yeah. uh, decided to leave the EU. Um, and it drove me absolutely potty because I was like, what's the point? What is the point in you turning up if you're just going to nap? I was like, go and like, if you're going to nap, go home and have a proper sleep and I'll just send you this stuff. It made no sense to me yeah. uh, that people were just there. And actually, the thing that really ran, wound me up about that was I was trying to teach critical thinking, yeah. which is a, like, a course on not taking what someone in authority says to you for granted. And the students would slavishly just take notes of what I was saying. I was like, no, 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 stop, stop. <laughs> Ch- yeah. Check the one, Ch- you know, challenge me, challenge me. And, and they wouldn't. Yeah. So let's take a quick look at some of the details of what actually happened here. Um, the month of August, Microsoft Japan experimented with a new project, which has a great name. You ready for this name? Yes. Work Life Choice Challenge Summer 2019. Renewal Oops. open. <laughs> work life choice challenge summer 2019 and it gave its entire it. business 2300 person workforce five fridays off in a row without decreasing their pay and it led to more efficient meetings happier workers and boosted productivity by that 40 percent and uh they also saw that their employees took 25 percent less time off during the trial and electricity use was down in the office and they printed 59% fewer pages of paper. And the vast majority of employees, 92%, said they liked the shorter week. Who's that 8% that was like, nah, nah, I want them to come in on Friday too? They obviously hate their spouses. Probably. I mean, I was very, I was shocked when I got here how excited my wife was for a premium Friday. What's a premium, premium Friday? Friday thing? So once a month, uh, people get to leave the office early at like four. It's like it was like a national initiative. You're like, oh my god, yeah, you get to and, leave it like and, four. And, and, the bar, <laughs> and the bars do different sales, right? So like on, on the last Friday of the month, uh, there'll be like a premium Friday drink special where it's like you know three ah. three beers for five you know for a thousand yen or something. But yeah. the jokes on them. They didn't check if you had a real job. You could just avail yourself of the offers. Thank you. <laughs> like, is it four? Four should be standard everywhere. Like, no one's doing work at four on a Friday anywhere. Yeah. Yeah, well, uh, it says other countries, they've done similar programs. New Zealand's uh, trust management company did it, and it decreased stress, staff stress levels. Um, and workers surveyed always say that they could be more productive with less time. Although I feel like that that's just what you would say if someone asked you. Like, would you like <laughs> to have <laughs> less days for the same pay, and will you still do the same amount of work? You know, they've had school districts I'll do more. Too. What's that? Entire schools, entire schools in several places have actually moved to a four-day week and they've noticed that performance has been just similar to the schools with five-day week. So on high high stakes like uh, testing regimes, some so some states have them, the kids are performing just as well from schools that have moved to a four-day week. Uh, this is something that uh, Jeremy Corbyn, who's the, the challenger to uh, the, the incumbent prime minister at the moment in the UK general election, uh, is proposing. And he's a socialist, right? But he, he, he's looking to get down to a 30-day work week. And it's seen as so radical, I don't think it's even making his manifesto. So the fact that Japan, which is typically seen as the antithesis of, of progressive in this, uh, in, in, in this world, seems to have, have, have kind of got some good data. Of it. I mean, it did take an American company to do so, right? Like, yeah. this, you know, this, this wouldn't have come from your local, you know, like family-run fishmonger. They're like, you know what, on Fridays, fuck it, we'll <laughs> let the fish die. Just one little aside here for the Bryans. Uh, when Ollie said a 30-day work week, he meant a 30-hour work week, I'm assuming. Yep. <laughs> Did I? Yes. Did I? 
Oh, okay. No, true socialism is you work more time than, than there actually exists. <laughs> than there actually exists. Share that so, amongst everyone. 30, I mean, a 30-hour week yeah. would be fantastic, I feel like. Yeah. Uh, but I don't think, I mean, who cares? Uh, in Japan, though, is this causing any waves? Like, you guys can, you guys, I guess, can read the media. Are people taking this to heart? Uh, is it becoming something that people are talking about, or are they just going to, like, dismiss it and move on? Well, for the last handful of years, they've been doing something that they call hataraki katakaikaku, which means um, a revolution or reform in the way that people work. Hataraki kata is the way that people work, and then kaikaku is like a... I don't know, it's not coming Business. Up. Business. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but so they've been experimenting with all of these things, like, I guess, Premium Fridays and... Uh, having mandatory leaving the office times um and and having and also they, they do like for example one day a week where they um trial not sexually harassing their employees yeah 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 but it's all including this uh this summer challenge whatever it's it's just pilot projects they're still trying to figure out which is the best way to go about it so even this one the microsoft told the newspaper that it was just a pilot project and it's not clear if these changes will be implemented in offices elsewhere or on a longer term basis so basically, they gave them a month of one day off a week and saw a 40% increase in productivity, as well as all of these other benefits, and then immediately went back to how they were doing it regularly. 